want to tell you the story of a man named Wrong Way Roy Rigels. Now, I've talked about him before because his story is a very interesting story. In fact, Wrong Way Royal, or Roy, <laughs> Wrong Way Roy, uh, is a famous sports figure. In the Rose Bowl in 1929, the University of California made one of the most famous plays, or, or Roy made one of the most famous mistakes in all the history of sports. He picked up a fumble. He looked up and saw nothing but green grass ahead of him. He ran more than 60 yards. The only problem was he ran in the wrong direction. Finally, he was tackled. He wasn't tackled by an opponent. He was tackled by his own teammate inside their own 10-yard line. California was forced to punt. And Georgia Tech blocked the kick, and they scored. Amen. This young man, he didn't mean to make a mistake. He didn't mean to do anything wrong, but the truth is he was going the wrong way. But if he could have just turned around, he might would have scored a touchdown. He needed a turnaround. The Bible said here in Ezekiel chapter 18, but if the wicked will turn from his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Amen. Amen. There's some people in their lives that need a turnaround. If you are living in sin, you need a turnaround. How many agree with that? Amen. I, I was thinking about the fact that we had, uh, the previous several weeks, we had been going through this uh, Bible study, a series about how uh, you can tell if your faith is drifting. And uh, that was all good. That was all good. Uh, three three uh, lessons on how you can tell if your faith is drifting. But not one time during those three lessons that I taught Brother Crawley, did I say anything about what you need to do, how you need to fix things, amen? And, and the very first thing you need to do if you realize that your faith is drifting, that you are not right, is you need to repent. Repentance, put simply, means a turnaround. That's what it means. We all need a do-over from time to time. We all need uh, a turnaround from time to time. Has anyone in here ever made a mistake? Now, I want you to look around, and if, if anybody doesn't have their hands up, look around, y'all. If anybody doesn't have their hands up, you need to see them after church and ask them, how in the world have you done it? <laughs> Amen. Amen. H have you ever messed up and wish you could have a second chance? Amen. Repentance is a second chance. That's what it is. Many times we think of repentance, if we're not careful, in a negative way, especially for those who, who are not in church. Uh, when some think about repentance, they think about somebody judging them. When some think about repentance, they think about a preacher whose eyebrows are really hard and he's staring at them, you know, as they, as they walk in and, and he won't quit staring at them until they go down. Uh, to the altar. That, that's what many people think about repentance. 
The truth is, or the fact of the matter is, that repentance is not a bad thing. It's actually a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. Repentance is a glorious opportunity. Amen. It's an opportunity for a second chance that was given to us by Jesus Christ himself. Repentance is possible because Jesus died and shed his blood on an old rugged cross. Amen. Repentance is possible because Jesus died for us. He died for you and he died for me. Repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs, which is accompanied by commitment to change for the better. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. I love the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen. These verses tell us exactly what the gospel is. Amen. First, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for you, and he died for me. Next, Jesus was buried. He died, then he was buried. I heard Brother Wayne Huntley uh, preach a message not long ago. It's, it, his title was, uh, The Truth in a Borrowed Tomb. And I heard that title. And, and, you know, there's some titles when people give the title, they don't even need to preach the message because you know, you know, well, they need to preach the message, but you know where they're going. And when he said that, boy, it, it, it hit me. A borrowed tomb. Isn't that something? I, I've borrowed a lot of stuff over the years. I've, I've borrowed a car jack before to jack up my, my car so I could change the tire. I've borrowed someone's shoes before. I've, I've borrowed a suit coat before. I've never borrowed anyone's toothbrush but, you know, there, there's all kinds of things that, that we borrow. But have you ever heard of anybody borrowing a tomb? How do you explain that? Can we borrow your tomb? How long are you going to need it for? Oh, just about three days. <laughs> Isn't that something? That, that, that they, they borrowed a tomb. But, but Jesus died for us. Jesus was buried. And Jesus rose again on the third day. Let, let me ask you, what good would a virgin birth be if there had been no resurrection? What good would turning the water into wine be if there was no resurrection? What good would raising Lazarus from the dead, what good would that do us if there was no resurrection? But there was a resurrection. Amen? Amen? 
Jesus died for us. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. This is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible here in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, it's telling us that we can receive this gospel. It's telling us we can stand upon the gospel. Amen. I'm going to say that because you need to hear that right now. You can stand on the gospel. You can stand on it. And we can find salvation in the gospel. But the only way we can receive it, the only way we can stand on it, the only way we can be saved by the gospel is by applying the gospel to our lives. Amen. I, I, uh, I am terribly allergic to poison ivy. I don't even have to touch it. You understand? I'm at the point now where if, if I'm out there and the wind blows just right, I'll get poison ivy. But, you know, someone in the church brought me some awesome ointment or salve for, uh, not salve, salve. Brought me some awesome salve for my poison ivy. I mean, that's, that's good stuff. It really works. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how good that salve is, that ointment is. It doesn't matter how many vitamins or, or how, how much good stuff is in that. If I don't apply it to that poison ivy, it's not going to do me not one bit of good. Listen, the Word of God is wonderful. The Gospel, it's true and it's great and it will save your life, but it won't do you a bit of good good until you begin to apply it to your life you've got to apply it you've got to apply it amen the first part of the gospel is simply that jesus died okay so so we apply this part of the gospel by dying with jesus how in the world do i die with jesus in in order to understand this we, we can go all the way back to the beginning of humanity. Now, I, I've got some scriptures. It's going to take a little bit of reading right here. But, but I've got a point, so stay with me. Anybody asleep yet? Y'all awake? Man, Brother Carl back there brought the funniest picture Sunday. It was a picture uh, that, that someone had painted of a congregation. And uh, it was three people, and two of them were awake, but that last one was sound asleep. Amen. Amen. Now, here we go. This is Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verse, I'm going to start at verse 21. I'm going to end at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more subtle uh, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Okay? These scriptures tell us about the first sin that was ever recorded. Sometimes it's called the original sin. You, you also read here the greatest tragedy in history. And, and you see the consequences of sin. Hear me, church. Sin has consequences. Amen. When you commit sin, it has consequences. When we mess up, we, when we make mistakes in life, there is a separation that takes place between us and God. Amen. And you can read about this separation. Genesis chapter 3, 21 through 24. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Okay, you understand? There is a separation when you mess up, when you sin, when you sin, there is a separation that takes place between us and God. The Garden of Eden before sin represented a place of total peace. You know, the total presence of God. It was a wonderful place. The Garden was a place where Adam and Eve had dominion over everything and had beautiful communion with God. Then, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, sin entered into the equation and caused there to be this separation or a wedge between humanity and God. Romans tells us about the debt that is required to remove sin from our lives. This is Romans 6 and 23. This right here, I quote this all the time, but this is where it's at. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, listen to this. The only way 
to get rid of or to pay the debt of sin in our lives is death. Okay? The only way to get rid of or to pay the debt of sin is death. Okay, who's this relevant for? It's relevant for everybody. It's relevant for everybody. Everybody in this room, it is relevant for. Why? Because we all have sinned. We all have sinned. Amen. The Bible explains this to us. In Psalms 51 and 5, it says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why I, I, I have problems with these snooty church folks that stick their nose up in the air and act like they've never done anything wrong and act like they're better than a sinner that walks in off the street. Don't, don't give me that because we know better. We know better. We know that we have all sinned. We have all come short of the glory of God. Don't act like you're better than somebody else. Amen. 1 John 1, 8 and 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Man, oh, I love the word of God. I love the word of God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Amen. We are all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all have the same debt for sin. And that debt, that sin debt is death. Amen. You may have noticed when we were reading about Adam and Eve, they clothed themselves in fig leaves. But by the end, the Bible says that they were clothed by God in coats of skins. We realize through the scripture that God had a plan. You hear me? God had a plan and God has a plan. Amen. Turn around and tell somebody, God's got a plan for you. Amen. God had a plan. The plan was for something else to be sacrificed for the sin of humanity. From the beginning, something had to die for our sins. There has to be bloodshed for the sins of man. Amen. Hebrews 9 and 22 it confirms this. It says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. That's the Word of God. Do you all see that right there? And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Amen. Death 
is required to wash away our sins. In the Old Testament, people would bring animals to the priest to sacrifice for their sins. Amen. If there is not death for our sins, then we are left with a debt to pay. Without the opportunity of repentance and the remission of sins, we would all die a death uh, with, with a debt to pay to sin. We would all, if it were not for the blood. Amen. This is where Jesus steps into the picture. John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen, amen. Sister Tina calls me from time to time. Tonight for church, you were getting all over my message. You got to quit getting on my message. <laughs> amen, amen. This excites me right here. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. John the Baptist, he introduces Jesus as the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Amen. This was a prophetic word spoken by John. <laughs> he's prophesied. If you will apply him, he's going to take away your sins. Amen. Jesus came to this earth. He took on a robe. God took on a robe of flesh. Came to this earth to teach us how to live. He came to be an example to us all. Most importantly, Jesus came that we might have life through his death. He came to reconcile all of us back to him through his death. Amen. You do not have to be separated from God if you don't want to be separated from God. You do not have to die in the mess that your life has gotten you into. Amen. But you can be reconciled to God. Amen. I'm having to slow down because there's so much I want to teach. And I feel a preaching spirit up in here. But no wonder we say, thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. It washes white as snow. I don't have to die in my sins. I don't have to die with those transgressions. But I can be restored and reconciled to God. Amen, amen. Amen, you could read about the death of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus died a terrible death on a cross. Amen, amen. I used to sing a song, uh, when I was on the cross, or when he was on the cross. I was never on the cross, but my, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Amen. You ever think about that? What, what, what was he thinking as they drove those nails into his feet and into his hands? I think he was thinking about Brother Rich Simpkins. I think he was thinking about Brother Wink Downing. 
I, I, I think he was thinking about Brother and Sister Hardy. I think he was thinking about Mark Johnson. I want Mark Johnson to be restored to me. Yes, he's sinned. Yes, he's done wrong. But I want there to be a pathway so that he can get right with me. I want to be able to take his sins away from him and throw them as far as the east is from the west. Amen. Amen. The people of that day, they mocked him. They sped on him. They beat him until he was unrecognizable. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and then they nailed him to a cross. Amen. Jesus endured all that pain, all that hurt, all that agony. He endured it for you. Amen. You that are watching this right now, he endured all that for you. He endured all that, every bit of it. He endured that for me. For me. Amen. Amen. Man. Amen. This is why we've got to repent. Jesus paid that debt of sin for us. That's why we, we've got to repent. When we repent, we apply his death. To our lives. Peter told the people in Jerusalem about repentance. Oh, I love this. Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Repentance is our way of dying out to our old sinful ways and turning our lives over to God. Repentance is turning away from evil. Repentance is denying our flesh. Repentance is saying, I'm walking towards God. Repentance is saying, Jesus, I am sorry for the, the things that I've done, the sin that's in my life. God, I'm sorry. Amen. It, it's feeling sorrow, sincere sorrow for our sins and asking God to forgive us. Amen. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Amen. I'm going to read that again. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Amen. Amen. I, I, I want to tell you a couple of things that repentance is not, okay? Because I, I want to clear, clear some things up because I, I think sometimes there's a little bit of confusion. Repentance is not thinking, well, I, I'll go ahead and sin and I'll just ask God to forgive me about it later. That's not repentance. Repentance is not asking God to forgive you when you know that the next day you're just going to turn around and do it again. That's not repentance. Repentance is confessing our sins to God in prayer and making up our minds that we are going to do everything possible in our lives to turn away from sin. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to let God down from time to time. Yes. 
But friend, if we're going to repent, we need to try our best not to make mistakes. We need to try our best. I'm talking about daily life. I'm talking about every day. We need to try our best to live in such a way that God would be pleased. Amen. Repentance is daily dying out to self and becoming obedient to the will of God. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I Die daily. Well, that seems extreme. Not when you're dealing with, with heaven and hell. Not when you're dealing with eternity. I die daily. Sister Ira, we must die daily through repentance. I'm not a bit embarrassed to stand up here and, and tell you that I repent Absolutely every single day. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I repent of every day. But every day, I repent. Every day, every day, I repent. You do bad stuff every day? No. But I'm making sure before I go to bed at night every day that, that I'm right with God. I repent every single day. Amen. Jesus tells us about daily death in, in Luke 9, 23 through 27. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come in his own glory, in his fathers, and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. So how do we repent according to the Bible? How do we repent according to the, the word of God? The simple answer is that we are supposed to confess our sins to the Lord. And we are to ask him for forgiveness. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither, hath, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. When we come to God with godly sorrow, he removes that separation between us, and he forgives us. When we come to God in sincerity, in true sorrow, his hand can reach us no matter how far we feel like we are away from God. No matter how far you feel like you are away from God right now, you are not in a place where God's hand can't reach you. You are not in a place where God's ears can't hear you. 
You are not in a place where, where God's love can't overwhelm you. Amen. Do y'all believe that? Amen. I, I'm almost, I'm not even halfway done, but I'm almost done. That makes any sense. It, it does to some of the preachers that are in here. Amen. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and I know most of you can can quote this, but but I believe that in this passage it gives us four steps of repentance that we can all go through to get the attention of God, to hear our prayers, to hear, heal our land, and to forgive us of our sins. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, "If my people." which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Okay, keep, keep that up there, if you will, Brother Stephen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Okay, these four steps of repentance right here. Number one, please write these down. You, you're going to need these someday. First step to repentance is go to God in repentance and humble yourself. Humble yourself. There's something about humility that God is attracted to. You will never accomplish what you need to with God if you have a haughty spirit. It just, it just isn't going to work. And, and I don't know why, but probably the majority of people in this room have, have all been in churches where they felt like others thought they were better than they were. I don't know why it's like that. That is as opposite from Christianity as, as the North is from the South. There is something about real, genuine humility that attracts God. Amen. When we mess up and make mistakes, the enemy of our soul, he likes to trip us up and tell us that, that we don't need to humble ourselves. The, the, enemy, the enemy would say that we need to be prideful and we need to act as though everything is okay when it's really not. And I've seen, Brother Wink, I've seen pride trip people up in church if they aren't careful. Amen. I, I, there's, there's one man... Who, who started coming to church. I mean, he, he was a well-to-do kind of guy. But well-to-do guys, they need Jesus too, you know it. They need to repent too. But, I, you know, this guy, he was so professional. In fact, he would come to the altar because he knew he needed God. But, but Brother Crawley, he was so worried about the, the what is that? That's not a, the, the crease. The crease in his pants that he, before he would kneel down, he would do like that. So he wouldn't mess up the crease in his pants when he would kneel down. His hair was perfect. I mean, the part was just right. And, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, he, he was sharp. You, you understand? I mean, and he would, he would get down and he would pray. But when he would pray, it was this really professional prayer, you know. Not, not very sincere, not very heartfelt, just professional, like, like you know. What, what you think somebody else might want to hear. And he kept doing that. He was it, it, part of this revival. He kept doing that. And he kept getting up the exact same way that he went down. He got up, straightened himself up, 
you know, and went right back. There, there was no change. There was nothing because he had so much pride. You understand? And finally, the evangelist got down there before that man could fix his, his, his uh, crease just right. The evangelist said, let me help you. And, and I, look, I don't recommend you do this. You understand? But that evangelist got a hold of his head, messed up his hair, and said, come on, we're going to pray. And would you believe by the end of, of that altar service, that man was laying in the floor, speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Ghost? What, what are you saying? I'm saying don't let your pride keep you from God. Don't let your pride humble yourself. I want God. I want God to move in my life. Amen. Number two, second step here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. And pray. You've got to communicate with God about your sins. Amen. You've got to communicate with him. You got to communicate with him. Do you want to be a part of the bride? How many want to be a part of the bride of Christ? That requires, if you're going to marry somebody, at least in this country, it requires communication. You know? Brother Crawley, before you married Sister Crawley, did you ever talk to her on the phone? Once or twice? This is a true story. Sister Hardy, there were times when my wife and I were dating. She lived in, uh, she's not in here, is she? She lived in Ekru, Mississippi. Amen. It would take me an hour and 15 minutes to drive all the way down there. She lived in Ekru. There were times, and, and back then, cell phones, uh, you, could, you could talk as long as you wanted to, as long as it was after 9 o'clock. Okay. Because then they wouldn't charge you. And there, there were times when I would talk for five hours. I have no idea what we talked about. No idea. But we would talk for five hours. Why? I would talk to her because I wanted her to marry me. And if you want someone to marry you, you better communicate with them. If you're going to be a part of the bride of Christ, you better learn how to communicate with him. Am I telling the truth? Amen. Amen. So, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Number three. Number three. Third part of repentance. Seek God's face. Seek God's face. Seek him. Go after him. Seek his face. What do you mean, seek? You all know what it is to seek. When you're hungry, you seek for something to eat. When you're thirsty, you, you seek for something to drink. If your favorite sports team is playing buddy, you'll seek for whatever that sports team is. But then we don't know how to seek the face of God. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Get down. Seek his face. Pray. Communicate with him. God, I want you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to apply you to my life. Amen. Amen. Pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will heal their land. Number four. Amen. The fourth step of repentance is you've got to turn away from 
your wicked ways. Amen. Once you repent, don't go back to where you came from. Don't go back to that stuff. Begin to walk the paths of righteousness. Begin to daily walk the path that God gives. Allow the word of God to lead you. I've quoted almost every time I, I teach, but thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Amen. Let the word of God lead you. Amen. Walk the path that God has for you, and you'll begin to see greater things in your life. The blessings and favor of God will begin to manifest like never before. I'm I'm telling you, tonight, God is calling us out of darkness. He's calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not just light, it's marvelous light. Amen. Amen. Let's stand right now. I used to like reading the rest of the story or listening to it, Paul Harvey. I want to give you the rest of the story of Wrong Way Roy Rigels. Okay, it's halftime after this bonehead play of the ages. California coach, he starts giving the pep talk trying to lift the spirits up of his team because they're losing because one of their best players got confused and ran the wrong way. At the end of his pep talk, he declares, the same team that started the first half is going to be the same team that starts the second half. This meant that wrong way Roy was going back into the game. Everybody's pumped, you know. They've heard the pep talk, and they run out. Everybody except for Roy. Roy just sits there. The coach goes to him. Hey, son, you're about to start the second half. Get out there and play. No, sir. No, sir. I can't go out there. Coach, I've embarrassed myself. I've embarrassed the university, the city, I've embarrassed the state. I can't go back out there. The coach looks at Roy, looks at him in the face, and he says, Roy, the game is only halfway over. Now you get out there and you play the rest of this game. Roy realized, yeah, I made a mistake. But there's still some more game to play. So he went out there, he blocked a punt, made some major tackles, and he left that day with his head held high. I made a mistake, but I made a turnaround, and I finished it right. Amen. Listen, there's nothing wrong with saying I've made mistakes. Nothing wrong with saying I've messed up. Amen. That is the first step towards turning things around and changing your life forever. Repentance.